Hello and welcome to The Plant We Eat. Join us as we investigate the surprising history, biology, and culture behind the plants that we use for food. My name is Jeff Gilman, the director of the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens and a plant history enthusiast. And I'm Cindy Proctor, part-time instructor at Central Piedmont in Charlotte, North Carolina, and a garden coach, landscape enthusiast. I think you should add some more titles to yourself. I know. I'm kind of thinking about it. Okay. Well, you work on that and let me know how it all turns out. (laughs) You'll hear it. (laughs) I'll hear it. You'll know. (laughs) Today, stevia. (laughs) I can tell you're excited. And Stevia, you know... (laughs) My disclaimer, it was my choice to do this one. It was. And there are some very interesting things about stevia. Um... But there are some also, you know, you start you start working on these plants, and you're and you're waiting for these exciting things to happen. And the exciting thing with stevia it wasn't so much about stevia itself as it was about um, kind of the history behind artificial sweeteners. Mm-hmm. So I found out a lot about artificial sweeteners, and the interesting thing is I really didn't find that much about stevia. Now, the stevia that we use for sweetener is a particular species. There are actually 240 species of stevia. Uh, many of them have been used for flavorings over over the years. There's uh, the stevia that we use is known as candy leaf or sugar leaf, but there there are other species known as plumber's candy leaf, and they have various amounts of these compounds that make them sweet. But that's about the only interesting thing about them. Now, for those of you out there who haven't tried stevia, we actually sell it. Hey, if you're in the Charlotte area, come buy our plant sales. We usually are selling stevia. You can buy it. You can chew on the leaves. It is very, very sweet. I planted a whole flat this year. You did? Yes. And do you chew on the leaves now and again? A little bit, yeah. yeah. Yuck. <laughs> I mean, it's sweet, sure, but it's kind of like, ah. Well, I wouldn't say that. But okay. okay, well, it's it's definitely unique. It's definitely different. It's a fun plant to have. It is not a particularly, well, you, you tell me. I don't think it's a particularly beautiful plant. It depends where you grow it. Okay, tell me. Okay, so what I did is I bought a flat and planted two in all different areas of the yard and kind of recorded in my mind, mm-hmm. you know, where what area they thrived. Right. So they're from the rainforest. Mm-hmm. And so it wouldn't surprise you to say that they love moist but well-drained areas. Mm-hmm. Um, and the ones that gr- grew in that type of environment, which is against my house, look amazing. The ones that had, you know, intermittent water mm-hmm. that just looked, Piddly, so in know? other words, they like a lot of care. They like proper siting. Yes. In fact, the leaves uh, in the um, in the drier area stayed mm-hmm. more of a linear uh, okay. uh, shape. And then the ones in that wetter areas really fattened up. So you have more surface area. And it looked like a half-decent ground it cover? It's a ground little, cover? it's very upright. No, oh, it's, it's very, it's very up, upright. It's very okay. upright and have it like two feet upright. Yeah. As you said, this plant does come from South America. Yeah. Um, Sorry, <laughs> very, get back very, to the history. No, okay. we'll get back, well, you know, um, <laughs> I, I'm I'm actually surprised that that you've been impressed with how it looks because I, I've got to tell you, we go into the plant sale and there's all these plants that look just absolutely beautiful, and I look at the stevia and I'm just kind of like, who would buy that besides trying it out for novelty? And don't get me wrong, the novelty is awesome, but. Eh. Yeah. So I'm I'm impressed that it looks good. And the flowering, what do you, what do you think of the flowers? It's, it's okay. You yeah. know, I'm going to send you a picture. Yeah. Fragrance? Uh, no. Yeah. Okay, I know. So it's, it's from, dead to you. So it's, no fragrance is dead to me. <laughs> it's from it's from South America. It has been used uh, as a sweetener there for uh, at least uh, 1,500 years and probably a lot longer than that. 
The stevia itself has uh, 150 to 300 times the sweetness of sugar. Europeans have known about the sweetness of this plant only for a relatively short period of time. It was first, uh, you know, published in the literature, in the, I'll call it the Western literature, um, or I should say European uh, literature, in uh, 1899 when a botanist d described it. So the first, you know, we've been looking for artificial sweeteners for years. And the, and the great thing about stevia, of course, is that stevia is natural. And because it's natural, uh, we think of it as safe, you know, like a rattlesnake bite is, is safe because it's natural. Um, it's, you know, the, the whole because it's natural is safe thing is kind of ridiculous because we right. can name a whole lot of poisons. But, but that being beside the point, at this point, stevia does seem to be safe. It has been used since 1971 uh, by the Japanese, actually. The first artificial sweetener, and of course, artificial sweeteners are popular because, you know, they don't have calories. So, yay, we get something sweet, no <laughs> calories. Um, we can all become um, thinner. Uh, thinner. <laughs> <laughs> Mere caricatures of ourselves, <laughs> human skeletons. Um, the first artificial sweetener, of course, was saccharin. And, you know, the name saccharin actually comes from the Latin word for sugar. And saccharin, you know the base of saccharin, you know where it originally comes from? It, this, is, this is just fascinating to me. There was a researcher who was looking at coal tar. He was actually looking at uses for coal tar. So he was working on this, on this coal tar, and, <laughs> and uh, he went to have lunch. This is in 1897. I guess in 1897 they weren't too fastidious about their <laughs> about getting chemicals all over their hands. Right. I just didn't bother him. He went to lunch and um, he tasted stuff that was just really sweet on his hands. Apparently, it was just the saccharin stuff was covering his hands. So he went back to the lab, found out what it was. So of course, he used this coal tar derivative to um, you know to sweeten all his foods or sweeten foods. That's um, why he's a millionaire now. Well, <laughs> well Maybe actually, actually, this story gets more interesting. So this is 1897. This researcher had this little accident where he tasted this uh, coal tar stuff and you know, identified this stuff that became saccharin. So, you know the company? You know the company that started developing this stuff and selling it? Oh, you're going you're gonna, to you're gonna flip. <laughs> what is it? Monsanto. Oh, that doesn't surprise me. It doesn't surprise me. No. 1901. So it was discovered in 1897. Four short years later, 1901, they started, uh, Monsanto starting, started selling it. Of course, it was banned in 1912, um, you know, because it was artificial and such. But uh, in World War I, the United States was running short of sugar to sweeten things. So... In, uh, in 1912, it was reinstated, and we still have saccharin to this very day. Saccharin is 300 to 400 times sweeter than sugar. Not surprising. Not surprising. No, we've all tasted it. We, we have. Yeah. Yuck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> that aftertaste is tough. All right, so, this, so, after, so there's only a few, there's only, actually only a few artificial sweeteners. The next one I've got is, you, remember, you know Sweet and Low? Of course. Okay, so Sweet and Low... This, your sweet and low today is saccharin, mm -hmm. but sweet and low did not used to be saccharin. Sweet and low used to be cyclamate, and uh, it was originally used in Tab and Diet Pepsi. <laughs> there was a University of Illinois grad student, and he was working on a chemical that would reduce people's fevers. This was, you know, in the in the mid nineteen hundreds, and he tasted something sweet on his fingers. Once again, 
what are these chemists thinking? <laughs> hey, I'm working on this. How about I taste it? I, <laughs> how often can you do that before you end up dead? Anyway, um, so he tasted something sweet in his fingers during smoke break because I guess he's covering his cigarette and whatever it is he's experimenting with in the lab. This cyclamine, 30 to 50 times sweeter than sugar. Um, so they discovered it. They used it for tab. They used it for Diaz Pepsi. And then... They found some pretty good evidence that it caused bladder cancer, and it was banned in 1969. Sweet and low is now saccharin. Mm -hmm. End of story. All right. The next one, and this one you've probably heard of, aspartame, right? Sure. 1965, there's a researcher looking for a new ulcer drug. Name was James Schlatter, and he, guess what, licked his fingers and tasted something sweet. Once again, what are these people thinking, <laughs> tasting all this crazy stuff? Um, aspartame is actually a type of amino acid. It is 200 times sweeter than sugar. Um, so this was called NutraSweet. So you're familiar with NutraSweet. It was introduced in 1981, and uh, they used aspartame. The first use was actually Diet Coke. Now, here's the last one, the most, uh, the most recent one, really. Sucralose, which is Splenda. Defer to Splenda. This was sure. created in 1976, and basically this is chlorine with sucrose, a uh, researcher was told to test it. Uh, he thought the boss said to taste it, so he just shoved it in his <laughs> mouth and found that it was 600 times sweeter than sugar. And uh, the great thing about that product um, is that it's heat-stable, so you can actually bake with it. Most mm -hmm. of the things you cannot bake with. This sucralose is the only one that does have some calories. It is It is partly metabolized, but just a very small amount of Calories. With all these crazy compounds that people are accidentally tasting, I think it's awesome that we have something like stevia here now today. <laughs> I know. You were you were making fun of stevia, but I think I, I uh, like it better that it's than all it, these choices. That it's na it's more of a natural approach. It is more of a natural approach. Um, since it's been used since 1971, I actually feel a little bit more comfortable about it. But it's been used in Japan since 1971. In the U.S., stevia has only been used since. 2008. In terms of safety, uh, there, there, it is possible at extremely high doses uh, applied repeatedly, it can have mutagenic effects. Mm -hmm. the, the thing is, nobody's ever going to actually reach those, those levels in, in real life. Uh, but this is, you know, compared to some of these other compounds, I actually do kind of like stevia, but I have to admit that, um, you know, all these artificial sweeteners are, are just wonderful, but for myself, I, I really don't like the flavor, and so I'm, I'm sorry, but I'm going to take the few extra calories and, and go with the sugar. Okay, well, I was interested in doing stevia because I started to explore other uh, sugar alternatives for somebody who'd like to cut back okay. on all the sugar intake, um, and so... When there was so many things out there and stevia kept popping up and that it was a plant we could grow, I was in. Okay. <laughs> and there we go. And there we go. You, you can make your own I stevia. I can make my own. <laughs> so, but it, it did allow me to explore a little more about these artificial sweeteners. And it, it was a little fascinating to me because you want to bake with them. Mm -hmm. All right. And you can't just put, you know, teaspoon to teaspoon of aspartame or even splen well you can splenda uh right sucralose sucralose is the only one that i named right that's actually heat stable sure so that you can bake with it and then there's um i so i tried to to not do a whole lot of research when i tried to bake with it and it didn't come out good okay so this kind of was the beginning of this quest to figure this out and 
and I wanted to share a little bit about what I found out. But the, you know, I kind of grouped the whole artificial sweeteners um, into two, uh, or the sugar substitutes, I should say, into two categories, artificial sweeteners and sugar alcohols. So the, the sugar alcohols are interesting in that they're never metabolized by your body and that they just pass through, basically, mm-hmm. but have that sweet taste in your mouth. And there's research that that's good, bad, or indifferent. And then there's it's good to maybe mix some of those sugar alcohols so you get desired sweetness effect. But what I found is there's no clear-cut um, advice on how to cook with it. It depends if you're cooking chocolate chip cookies you do this. If you're cooking a cake, you use this. So you have to do a little bit more research with that. Wow. Have yeah. you ever cooked with stevia? I I have not. You know, I use it predominantly in my coffee because I'm a coffee okay. hound. And yeah. I and I kind of wanted to know what I was using because we, we go to the restaurant and what's the choice? You know, equal, mm-hmm. uh, sweet and low, Splenda, and now Truvia. You know, what is that? And so... The thing about stevia products or packets, I should mm-hmm. say, is that they're usually a combination or they're a derivative of the plant. Mm-hmm. So the research is that you shouldn't consume high quantities of raw leaves itself. Okay. However, I've grown the plant and uh, hinted a little bit already on how to do it. And it's really easy. Um, I've stripped the leaves mm-hmm. and let them dry and put them in a coffee grinder. Really? And put them in a little dish to use as my quote-unquote sugar. And it's worked out pretty well. So I feel like I have an alternative that's more organic approach. Let me back up. An alternative to Splenda or Sweet and Low. So you take the stevia leaves from your own plant. Mm -hmm. You dry them, uh, oven dry or just counter dry? Well, you can oven dry them, but I I put them in a strainer and put them to the side. And then a few days, whatever, you Mm -hmm. you dry them, you put them in a coffee grinder, and then you actually put that into your coffee. Don't you get little chunks of leaf on your teeth? Not really. Isn't that embarrassing? No, I don't worry. (laughs) (laughs) Little chunks of things on your teeth. (laughs) Maybe I should look in the mirror. (laughs) But, um, But anyway, that uh, I think that because all these sugar alcohols are artificial sweeteners, there's a lot of con- a lot of processing going on, and, mm-hmm. and stevia is a is a good approach to being a more organic. Um, it it has been shown to be an anti-inflammatory as well. So I yeah very, very so, cool. So you, but am I ready to you know? Use a cup of it in my in my chocolate chip cookie recipe. Probably not, but this is a good way. But full sun, okay, um, ample moisture, but well drained, which is tricky in gardens sometimes. But it's what you'd expect from a plant growing up in the in the rainforest. In the rainforest, not yeah. very you know flowering. I have I wonder you know flower sometimes when we enjoy the taste of the leaves takes away from the taste of the leaves. Right. So I wonder if that would be the case, but you know. It's not a big deal for now in terms of ornamental appearance. Just mm-hmm. add it in there somewhere, you know, in the garden. But uh, yeah, so I'm glad we did stevia. It kind of helps me straighten it, yeah. all this out in my head. You know, although I have to, I, I, I only learned a little bit about stevia the plant. I learned a tremendous amount about um, these different artificial sweeteners. So it was a, it was a fun, it was a fun topic. It was. To re- I'm not even going to call it. I'm gonna, it was a fun topic. There you to go. Research. Topic is better. Yes. Well, thank you so much for listening to the. Plants We Eat. This show has been produced by the UNC Charlotte Botanical Gardens with help from the Isle Group and 
the College of Liberal Arts and Sciences at the University of North Carolina at Charlotte.